so we uh, finished our Lord's Prayer series last Sunday uh, with uh, Dr. John Andrews, and what a cracking message he brought. Uh, he's a very educated and learned man, but his message was ever so down to earth and so helpful. Um, I've really, you know, I was really blessed by his message, and it, I hope that you were too. And of course, that whole series on the Lord's Prayer is available on our YouTube channel and on our podcast, so if you missed any of those, treat yourself to the box set, watch all the way through, listen all the way through, we'd really encourage you to do that. Uh, so, uh, last Sunday, after the service, uh, John and I walked up the canal and we went into Brindley Place and we found a place to uh, have something to eat. And uh, while we were chatting, he shared a story with me. And I thought it was such a good story that I would share it with you. Uh, he was asking uh, one of his lectures in Mattersea Hall Bible College in Northamptonshire. Uh, he was teaching with a group of master students and he was asking the question, do the gifts of the Spirit help us to build the church? Do they work in the setting of mission? And of course, as an Elim Pentecostal church, we believe that. We believe that the gifts of the Spirit are essential in building up the church. The Spirit comes along and he gives us abilities and capacities and kind of miraculous power, actually, in order to build up the church. Now, we believe that, but he was asking this question of his master's students. And specifically, he was asking the question about the gift of of speaking in tongues. Now, if you're brand new with us today, or perhaps you're brand new online, we just want to say, in fact, should we just welcome all of our new people today? That's great. Maybe we did that already. But, and also, just a really warm welcome to all you guys on our live stream. And if you're new on our live stream as well, really hearty welcome to you from us all. Um, so we were talking about this idea of speaking in tongues, and does it build the church? Okay. Now, speaking in tongues is a gift, a spiritual gift from God, where he kind of takes over your language, and he starts to speak through you. Now, you are very unlikely to know what it is you're saying. We often use it in times of prayer. We sometimes have it in a meeting where somebody might speak out in a tongue, and then there's an interpretation given. It's very much an evidence of the Holy Spirit working. Uh, so uh, John was asking his master's students about this, and, and he was saying, so do you think that tongues can help to build the church and, and kind of push the, the banner of mission forward in the world? And this man at the back put his hand up and said, hey, can I share a story? This was a man from uh, the nation of Sri Lanka. And he shared this story where basically in a, in a northern part of Sri Lanka, there was a man from a very specific village that has its own dialect, um, was walking one day with uh, an assignment in mind. He was going on a, a bit of an assignment, and we're going to be looking at assignment uh, in this new series that we're about to start, and I'll get onto that in just a minute. But he had this decision that he wanted to go and make. He was going on a little bit of a journey to go up and sign up for an organization called the Tamil Tigers. Now, the Tamil Tigers were, uh, in those days, when they existed, they were kind of like a, uh, a group into rebellion and into, actually, they were, they, they were guerrilla terrorists, actually, uh, and they wanted to uh, create a, a nation state in the very northern part of Sri Lanka called Elam. Uh, and they, they went about this the wrong way. They did not want to do it democratically. Uh, they fought. Uh, they pl they pl uh, planted bombs. They did suicide bombings. They did lots and lots of bad stuff, basically. And this young man was on his way on one particular occasion to go and join the Tamil Tigers. Now, he was walking through uh, his local town, and he went past a church. Now, in Sri Lanka, what you have to understand, because of the humidity and the heat, 
um, they have a structure in their churches which is very similar to ours, except the walls of the church aren't there. It's all just pillars. So if you imagine, if we were in Sri Lanka right now, uh, you'd have all the white pillars in place, but you'd have none of the curtains or the windows. It'd be really, really warm. We'd be really grateful for the airflow. That would really, really help us out. But the benefit of that is that everybody who's walking past outside is able to see into the service and experience something of what's going on. And of course, the people inside are able to share their their praise and their joy and their messages and their time of fellowship together with a passing world. And I guess in a sense, what we've come to with the pandemic and going online with YouTube is we've got our kind of our own version of that, haven't we? We've been praying for years for church without walls and suddenly we've got it. Uh, You know, the internet is helping us to do that. Um, There was a prayer meeting in this particular church on this particular night and there were people there fervently seeking God. They were praising him, they were worshipping, they were kneeling, they were speaking out in tongues and this young man walks past and something draws him into the prayer meeting. He kind of thinks like, what's that? And he kind of walks over there and he kind of climbs up the bank and he goes between the columns and he's watching what's going on and he finds himself drawn into this circle of people praying. It's quite a large prayer meeting and he's praying. And uh, He's kind of amazed because he hears a a lady praying something that was kind of, he thought, was directed for him. He hears this lady praying, don't join the Tamil Tigers, follow Jesus. Don't join the Tamil Tigers, follow Jesus, over and over again. And he's absolutely stunned, and he's... He feels like he's the only person hearing this, and nobody else is taking any notice, but she keeps saying it. And so as the meeting progresses, he kind of nudges up to her, and he kind of says, uh, uh, like, are you saying that to me? What, what, what are you saying? She says, well, I, I don't know what I'm saying. I'm just praying in tongues. I mean, you know, uh, I can't, I, I'm not sure what I'm saying. And he tells her what it was that she was saying. She was speaking in a dialect of his village, which is very specific to northern Sri Lanka, and she was telling him, Do not go and do what it is you're about to do. You need to follow Jesus. And he was completely blown away by this. And the long and the short of it was that that night he made a decision to follow Jesus. He decided that he was not going to become a kind of a guerrilla supporter or a terrorist and go and do bombs and bullets and guns. He decided to give his life to Jesus there and then that night. And what I want to say to you is that story says something of the assignment of God. There's an assignment that we are going to go on. And over this next six weeks, we're going to look at the whole idea of what it means to be assigned. Now, just capture this a little bit for a moment. That lady, I'm guessing she went along to that prayer meeting and was just doing her thing. You know how sometimes we go to church and we just do our thing? And she was just praying away and just being obedient to God and letting God kind of flow through her with the gift of tongues. For him, so she was assigned in her own small way, doing her thing, but for him... He was going on one assignment, and he has an encounter with God, and he ends up on a totally different assignment. In fact, his assignment has been completely changed. He was going to go and become a terrorist, and now he's going to become like an operative for Jesus. He's going to be totally different. His life gets changed around. And what I want us to kind of explore in this series over the next six weeks, starting today, is the idea of being assigned. What does it mean to be assigned or on assignment from God? Um, Many of you will know that as you come in through the lobby downstairs in this church, there's like a plaque on the wall, isn't there? And at the top of that plaque, it says, transformed lives, transforming lives. That's kind of like our mission statement. 
Uh, and what that means is that as we see a life being transformed around us, and we notice the change in someone else, it kind of draws down an inspiration into our spirit, and we start changing as well. When we see that Jesus is transforming a person's life, and, and their life is moving on, and, and becoming different, and better, and, and more fulfilled, and more fruitful, it kind of leaks out to everybody else around them, and then they're transformed. That's what transformed lives, transforming lives means. And then under that, we have four B statements, don't we? Build, belong, become, and be assigned. Build your life. Belong, be part of something, be known and needed. Become, become all the things that God wants uh, for you to become and, uh, and to grow into all the stuff that he has in mind for you. But then number four, and this is where our series is squarely centered, it's be assigned. Get onto an assignment in God. Be assigned in some way. And what I love about the story from Sri Lanka is that the assignments match. They kind of intersect with each other. And that's life transforming lives, transformed lives right there. She was doing her thing, and it ended up kind of molding and shaping his thing. And that's what an assignment does. Are you with me so far, BCC? Are you okay? You seem quiet this morning. You're drinking it all in. I hope you are. Okay. I want to uh, ask you to turn with me uh, to um, uh, Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3 on your, in your Bibles or on your devices. Um, we also use something called the YouVersion app. And in the YouVersion app, you'll see an event for today. Uh, the event is available from our YouTube channel notes. It should have come through on your WhatsApp and in your text. And you can open that event. You can follow through the Bible passages and the points that I'm going to be making. And you can add your own notes as well. And of course, you can just do that uh, in your physical Bible as well. We're going to be looking at what does it mean to be assigned and the heart behind the series is that every single weekend for the next six weeks, starting today, we're going to look at a character, a character in the Bible, somebody who goes on an assignment, somebody who gets called by God to go and do something. This isn't like a theoretical series. This is actual people who get called by God to go and do something, and then what happens to them and how it plays out. Because I don't know about you, but sometimes theory doesn't seem to quite work, does it? It's like, let's actually look at a person's life. Let's actually see what it is uh, from a, a particular example and point of view. So we're going to look this morning at the life of Moses. Moses, uh, a massive character in the Old Testament. Um, we're going to pick it up from Exodus chapter 3, verse 1. Follow along with me, uh, if you will, as we read. So, Meanwhile, Moses was shepherding the flock of his father-in-law, uh, sorry, Jethro, uh, the priest of Midian. Uh, he had led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire within a bush. As Moses looked, he saw that the bush was on fire but was not consumed. So Moses thought, I must go over and look at this remarkable sight. Why isn't the bush burning up? When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called out to him from the bush, Moses, Moses, here I am, he answered. When the man in Sri Lanka went past the prayer meeting, he went over to have a look. Jesus called him. Do not, do not come closer, he, uh, God said. Remove the sandals from your feet, for the place where you're standing is holy ground. Then he continued, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people in Egypt, and I have heard them crying. 
I've heard them crying out because of their oppressors, sorry. Uh, I know about their sufferings, and I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and to bring them from that land to a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the territory of the Canaanites, Hethites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. So because the Israelites cry for help has come to me, and I have also seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them, therefore go. I am sending you to Pharaoh so that you may lead my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses asked God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And he answered, I will certainly be with you, and this will be the sign to you that I am the one who sent you. When you bring the people out of Egypt, you will all worship God at this mountain. Then Moses asked God, if I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name, what should I tell them? God replied to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you're to say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. This is how I am to be remembered in every generation. And just jump with me to Exodus chapter 4 from verse 1. I'm just going to continue it. Um, I'm conscious it's quite a long Bible passage today, but you'll understand where I'm going with this uh, in just a bit. Moses answered, what if they won't believe me and they will not obey me, but say the Lord did not appear to you? The Lord asked him, what is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. Throw it on the ground, he said. So Moses threw it on the ground. It became a snake, and he ran from it. The Lord told Moses, stretch out your hand and grab it by the tail. So he stretched out his hand and caught it, and it became a staff in his hand. This will take place, he continued, so that they will believe that the Lord, the God of their ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. In addition, the Lord said to him, put your hand inside your cloak. So he put his hand inside his cloak, and when he took it out, his hand was diseased, resembling snow. Put your hand back inside your cloak, he said. So he put his hand back inside his cloak, and when he took it out, it had again become like the rest of his skin. If they will not believe you and will not respond to the evidence of the first sign, they may believe the evidence of the second sign. And if they don't believe even these two signs or listen to what you say... Take some water from the Nile and pour it on the dry ground. The water you take from the Nile will become blood on the ground. But Moses replied to the Lord, Please, Lord, I have never been eloquent, either in the past or recently or since you have been speaking to your servant, because my mouth and my tongue are sluggish. The Lord said to him, Who placed a mouth on humans? Who makes a person mute or deaf, seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go. I will help you speak and I will teach you what to say. And here we have one of the most classic responses in the whole of the Old Testament. Moses said, please, Lord, send someone else. (laughs) And then the Lord's anger burned against Moses. And he said, isn't Aaron the Levite your brother? I know that he can speak well. And also he is on his way now to meet you. He will rejoice when he sees you. You will speak with him and tell him what to say. I will help both you and him to speak and will teach you both what to do. He will speak to the people for you. He will serve as a mouth for you and you will serve as God to him. And take this staff in your hand that you will perform the signs with. Amen.
The Bible is hugely honest as a book, isn't it? Really, really honest. Send someone else is his response. And I, I just want you to imagine just the level of that encounter that he sees this miraculous sight. He goes and lo- looks at it. He's trying to understand it. And God himself speaks to him about his calling. And it's quite a long dialogue. It's a lot of stuff he gets told. And it must have been pretty impressive. And there was a, 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 you know, a need for him to take his shoes off because it was holy ground. This is a massive, massive encounter. Uh, and after all the conversation, Moses says, please send someone else. And actually, if you think about it, what, what God is asking Moses to do is a massive, massive thing. He is asking him uh, to go and to take away the people of his country from under occupation in Egypt. And he's asking, them, uh, he's, he's asking Moses to lead them all and to take them out of that country and into a, a brand new land. And not only just taking them on a journey, but removing them from a for, like a foreign evil dictator or an oppressor. That's a hard ask. You know, that, that's a really, really big assignment. Um, as I was preparing this message, I found myself thinking about President Zelensky in Ukraine and thinking he is on an assignment, isn't he? You know, I mean, part of his history was that he was a comedian and then he got elected and then he found himself as president of this country. I bet you that he never in a million years found himself thinking, oh man, I'm going to have to face the might of Russia coming into my country. And yet, do you know what? He's facing that with an incredible dignity and honor. Don't you think? He is really facing his assignment with everything he has. And I pray that he, is, he prevails. I pray that he's protected. I pray that Ukraine finds its freedom through his leadership. What an awesome assignment he's on and how well he's... Yeah, let's give him a round of applause. Maybe one day he'll see this on YouTube and be blessed by it. But we send our blessings to him as he faces the most difficult assignment of, of his life. And imagine that each and every one of us, imagine if it was me or you that we had to step up to something that massive. Imagine if it was me or you having to be Moses and step up and lead in such a big way. That would be huge, just huge. It's no surprise that you, perhaps the initial reaction from Moses is, hey, is there somebody else that can do this? Because this is too big. Well, I want to suggest some things today to us to help us because. You know, you and I sitting here today and, and in BCC, you, you might be kind of forgiven for thinking, well, it's great to hear about Moses and it's great to hear about President Zelensky, but how about the assignments that I'm facing? How about the kind of maybe the more low-level things that God's asking me to do? What about my situation? And, and I want to bring three things to us today that will help no matter whether it's leading a nation out from under a dictatorship all the way to getting on a bus and going to a job interview. I think there are three ingredients in this story that really stood out to me as I was preparing for today, uh, and they're summed up by the acrostic FAB, uh, F-A-B, okay, F-A-B, uh, and each of these letters uh, of FAB stands for a particular thing that I think is uh, apparent in this story uh, with Moses. Uh, so the F of FAB stands for friends. When you are on an assignment, God is going to give you friends to help you achieve that assignment. You're not going to have to do it by yourself. That's an encouraging idea, isn't it? Really, really encouraging. Uh, The second thing that's going to happen is that God is going to give you abilities. That's the A of fab. He's going to give you abilities. He's going to give you crazy stuff that he's going to do through you that you never thought you could do yourself, both through your actions, but also through his miraculous power through you. And those abilities are going to cause things to happen, things that you never dreamed would be possible. 
And the third thing, the B of backing, uh, sorry, the B of fab is backing. It is the word backing. God is going to back you. You have the I am who is the creator of the universe on your side and in your corner giving you backing in the assignments that he is going to set you. You are not by yourself. You are resourced in an amazing way on your assignments. Now, each of these six messages over these next six weeks, you're going to hear different flavors of what it means to be assigned in God. You're going to hear different things each weekend. Um, I don't know how this is going to fully play out. I'm sure the Spirit is going to lead into the preparation for each of these messages, and we're going to, we're going to get great diagnostic on an assignment, I hope, over the next six weeks. And we're going to, we're going to ramp up to Palm Sunday is the final message in the series uh, just before Easter. Uh, And we're going to be looking at what it meant for Jesus himself to be assigned. Jesus himself has an assignment in God. And what does that look like? And how does that play out? And so many of us in this room would understand that Jesus' assignment has become our assignment, hasn't it, church? Uh, And we're fully up for that and want to know where he's taking us in our lives. So let's have a look at what fab does. Nudge the person next to you and say, fab, come on. Yeah? This is a, and also, hey, listen, you can go home and tell your friends and tell your mates in work, hey, listen, there was a fab message at church on Sunday, you know, and then they'll say, oh, yeah, you know, whatever, and then maybe they'll listen. That would be great. So let's talk about, let's talk about friends, first of all. Um, I've got a a really good uh, friend, a guy called Pete, and uh, how we met, quite a story. Uh, so when I was uh, back in Bible college back in the day, um, there was, a, there was a, a, a leader of the Bible college, was a guy called Nigel Tween. Now, hands up in the room who remembers Nigel Tween from this church. There's quite a few people who know Nigel Tween. He used to be a pastor here back in the day. And when he finished here, he went to lead the Bible college, and he arrived in the same year that Chloe and I started uh, at Bible college, and I started my training to be a pastor. And about a year in, Nigel was doing a devotion one day, and he said, oh, I've got a great opportunity for somebody to go to a large church in the States. It's like a church with lots of campuses. They've got about 3,500 people there anybody interested in going and doing an internship there and of course like you know a forest of hands go up and you know how it is in Christian world there's that initial joy isn't there of of the idea and then when it actually comes to going and seeing about the idea it was just little old me Uh, never mind it's fine and I still went along and uh, I went and spoke to Nigel and said hey Nigel Nigel I I really want to go and do this what do I need to do and he said what you need to do is you need to get on a plane and you need to fly to either St. Louis or Kansas and then in Columbia Missouri is where they have their church and they will greet you they will host you they will look after you for three weeks uh, and then you can have an internship and you can learn all about large-scale church 3,500 people and I'm like yes bring it on that'll be so cool Um, So I was assigned to go on a plane and have a great time for three weeks. And Chloe was assigned to look after our three children, all under five, for three weeks by herself. Can I just thank you, Chloe, for that? I still owe you to this day. Thank you so much. So Chloe did the really kind of backgroundy, servant-hearted thing, the the real Jesus thing in the equation, if I'm really honest. And I got a chance to be let let off my fatherly duties for for three weeks, and I went to America. So I got on a plane. I landed in St. Louis. I got a hire car. I drove on the wrong side of the road for a bit. I mean, not the wrong side of the road there, but by comparison with here. um, That was just fun in itself. And I arrived at their uh, their church campus uh, at kind of 8 o'clock in the evening, And they were there in a little delegation to meet me, uh, Pete and his friends and his team. And they were super nice to me. And I got put up for three weeks by one of their church members. And I got a chance to see what large church was like up close with their team. They even interviewed me on stage. There was lots of great things I got up, uh, you know, that that I did. 
The long and the short of it was that Pete and I have become really, really good friends. In fact, he's a really good friend of the whole family. Um, As a family, when the boys were a bit older, all of us went over to America and we visited them for a couple of weeks and we met his wife, Carol. And then they've come to the UK and they've seen us as well. We have become really good friends. Now, the friendship is something that has really blessed me at different points in my journey. There's been different points where, as you can imagine, sometimes, you know, being a pastor, you get presented with problems or challenges or, or certain things, and they're kind of beyond your own understanding. You're like, how, do I, how on earth do I deal with this? You know, what is, what is the answer to this, Lord? And what God does is he puts great and wise people who are your friends, who are alongside you, to help you in the assignments he calls you uh, to deliver. Pete is one of my lifelong friends that he has been assigned to me in God to be my friend and for me to be his friend, and we get to do some of this stuff together. Now, he's a little bit older than me. You know, he's kind of just retired, in fact, but he's got so much wisdom. He would be a go-to person for me for wisdom, for insight, uh, for banter. You know, we play a game game called Wizard, which is like cards, and he's really good at it, annoyingly good at it, actually. Uh, You know, so we've done that a few times. He's a really great guy. What I want to say to you is that when you are on an assignment, God will assign you friends as well as the assignment. And that's something to be really encouraged by. You're not going to have to face this on your own. An assignment is going to be done along, there's going to be people alongside you as you do your assignment. If you just quickly look there at Exodus chapter 4, verse 14, let me just point this out to you. When Moses said, like, I don't feel able to do this very well, Um, God said, hey, what about your brother? Now, it actually turns out that his right-hand man ends up is actually his biological brother as well. But actually, we're all brothers and sisters in Christ. And God gives us brothers and sisters in order to be alongside us in our assignments. It says this, isn't Aaron the Levite your brother? I know that he can speak well. And also, he is on his way now to meet you. He will rejoice when he sees you. You will speak with him and tell him what to say. I will help both you and him to speak and we'll teach you both what to do. He will speak to the people for you. When you're on assignment, you're going to get friends. F is for friends out of fab. So fab is friends, abilities, and backing. Let's have a look at abilities for a moment. Number two, um, who here, just raise your hands in the room if you're a bit of a Marvel film fan. Come on, just admit it. Yeah, oh, good. There's a, quite a few of us who like Marvel. So I did a little bit of a survey of uh, Marvel superheroes on our staff team to find out who's the, who were the favorites. And uh, Luca at the back there and Chloe, they kind of voted for Tony Stark, who was kind of like the, the guy who built the Iron Man suit, and he flies around and he does incredible things, doesn't he? Um, and he was... Uh, Iron Man was first kind of uh, put in a, in a comic in 1963. Uh, so he's kind of five years older than me, Iron Man. It's a little bit scary. Um, and he kind of then goes on to form the, the Avengers, and you've got Thor and Hulk and Ant-Man and all that. So he's kind of like really, really key. He can fly around really fast and do really cool stuff. And then Jordan uh, said that his favorite, Iron, uh, sorry, his favorite Marvel character was Black Panther. Uh, you know, kind of king of this wonderful uh, society called Wakanda, full of superpowers, super intellectual, super smart, uh, very good at fighting and, and, you know, high speed, all that sort of stuff. Now, Kim, who you saw uh, mentioned on our, you know, she was presenting from the info point there, she likes Thor. And I, I, we were kind of saying, you know, why do you like Thor? And she was like, well, because he kind of got, he brings thunder and lightning. And so I kind of just want to say to you, you know, and I know, Kim, you might be watching, you know, like, you want to get involved with Kim, you're going to get some thunder and lightning from her, and it's going to be great. You know, she loves that. Uh, And then Ellie, our kids worker, get this, she likes Loki. 
Now, Loki's a little bit mischievous, and Loki can talk his way out of any situation that he likes. And I'm thinking, Ellie, is that you? Do you really like Loki? Wow. So you, when you see Ellie next, you say, cool, I never knew you liked Loki, Ellie. And she will laugh heartily at that. And for me, I like Ant-Man. Ant-Man's where it's at for me. I think it's my IT background, getting down into the detail, understanding the things. Ant-Man gets in there, sort of micro level, sorts stuff out. The point about the Marvel characters is, and the reason they're so appealing, is they have superpowers, don't they? They can do incredible stuff. And all of us are kind of drawn to that idea that there are superpowers, that there's, there's extra for us from somewhere. Now, I've got to say to you, that is actually biblical. We get superpowers by being associated with God. We get superpowers by being a follower of Jesus. We get superpowers because we have the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. We can do unbelievable things in God because of God's presence on the inside of us. We are no longer just ordinary mortals anymore. We get to be immortal and we have superpowers because of God. And it's in the Bible. Are you receiving that church? Are you believing it and taking it on board? Because it's important to understand. Uh, let me just show you Exodus 4 from verse 2. The Lord asked him, what is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. Oh, no, no, no. It's not just a staff, Moses. Throw it on the ground, he said. So Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake and he ran from it. The Lord told Moses, stretch out your hand and grab it by the tail. And by the way, that's a stretch right there. Uh, anyone grabbed a snake by the tail recently? No? Okay. Um, and so he stretched out his hand and caught it, and it became a staff in his hand. How cool is that as a gift? Come on. And then, uh, in addition, just jump to, down to verse 6. In addition, uh, the Lord said to him, put your hand inside your cloak. So he put his hand inside his cloak, and when he took it out, uh, the hand was diseased, resembling snow. I mean, what's that? That's pretty cool, or pretty weird. I mean, wh whatever. Uh, and then, he put, and then he says, God says to him, put your hand back inside your cloak. And, and he, so he does, and when he takes it out again, it becomes like the rest of his skin. Whoa. Okay, now that's kind of really off the scale. And I'll tell you now, there's a reason that God chose Moses for that task and not me, because I'd be at the party going like, kind of, ooh. <laughs> I would, I would. Is that irreverent? I'm sorry. You, you've had a, a moment into my mind there. That's not good, is it? I'm sorry, Lord. I'm sorry. But that's why it was Moses, not me. God gives us abilities and powers when we are on assignment. Receive it, BCC. You get ability and power from God in a way that you'll never, ever get on your own and in the human. And I think we need to step up into that church. We have some incredible stuff from God. I keep saying it to my team at the moment. God is an exciting person. He's not boring. He's really, really exciting. He's got some great stuff for you, and he's going to take you on a journey that you are going to struggle to believe with your own eyes and your own heart. Uh, Nikki Gumbel tells a story about how some people from Holy Trinity Brompton went on mission to Romania, and this was back in the days of the, uh, the, Eastern, you know, the Eastern Bloc before the fall of the Berlin Wall, um, and they were smuggling some Bibles into Romania. And they get to customs, uh, and the customs, they're, they're kind of big, sharp intake of breath because the custom guys want to see inside these two suitcases where there are Bibles. And they think, oh, okay, we're done for now. And they open the Bibles, and the Bibles are just blank. The text appears, it's just gone. And so the guy at the customs says, well, why are you taking these notebooks into Romania? And they're like, well, you know, they said to bring notebooks, they need paper, so we're just taking this through. How amazing is that? God didn't say that. God waited for them to be brave enough to go on assignment for him, and then he did the miraculous thing. How cool is that? 
I want to be around when God does cool things like that. But in order to be around when God does cool things like that, you have to be on assignment. So come on, let's be on assignment for God. Let's go for it with him. Let's do some cool stuff for him. Let's take a risk on him. And then he will do some cool stuff with us that will just go, okay, okay, God, (laughs) you've called me on this. I believe you. That Sri Lankan lady praying in tongues, she was stepping out in her own way on her own assignment, and then it changed someone else's life totally and forever. Don't miss how massive that is. That was a young man that was going on a path to destruction and causing destruction in other people's lives, but because that lady was on assignment, he found his assignment, and she did it through a power that she doesn't have herself. Marvel superpowers are not as outlandish as we might think they are, and that's why they're appealing FAB stands for friends, abilities, and backing. Let's talk about the last one, backing. I want to say to you that the great I am will back you himself. When Moses says, so who do I say that is going to, uh, who is the person that I say sent me? God says, say that I am sent you. Has that ever occurred to you as a strange thing to say? It's not like Nick sends you or Chloe sends you, or Jason sends you. It's a statement of being. You know, the verb, the verb to be in the present tense is I am. And it's such a secure statement for God to make. He doesn't need to define himself other than he is. I am. And that's enough. God is I am. That, sorry, that God is I am is enough for us in our assignment. When we go on an assignment, the I am of God is in our corner and he backs us. He backs us 100%. But I want to say to you, there is an issue around timing. We have to get the timing right. We have to have had an encounter. We have to have actually had the discussion with God that says, now I want you to get going. And let me show you why that's the case. Just jump back with me for a second into Exodus chapter 2 from verse 11 there. What I've noticed is that God puts things on the inside of us really early on. There are things that are there that are kind of th- uh, themes or signatures or, or seeds, if you like, for stuff that's coming later down the line. You know, one of the things that I found myself doing in Baldock High Street in about, oh goodness, um, just trying to think when this was, probably the year 2001, there was a man sobbing uh, in the street late at night, uh, having been having come out of the pub. He was sitting on the ground. He was just sobbing his eyes out. And I, I, I couldn't help myself. I went and sat next to him and put my arm around his shoulder. And I said, what is, what is the matter, mate? And she, he went, oh, she's jilted me. She's jilted me. She's just in there with her new bloke. And I was like, oh, you know, it was one of these kind of really, he was really cut up about it. When he actually told me, I, I was kind of like, okay, all right. So I just put my arms around his shoulder. That was it. That was it. But there's a part of me that just instinctively wants to care for people when they're really stuck. And I'm sure lots of you have that as well. But I think the, the, the seeds of who I am as a person, as a pastor, were there before I got called to be a pastor. And so like, I, there's a caring side to me that comes out that's just instinctive, reflective. No, you need to be cared for. I, I want to make sure you're okay. And I try and keep that alive, and I don't, I don't want that to be gone because I think it's part of my nature. And then in 2000, so that was 2001. In 2003, God called me to be a pastor. But those seeds are there. Now, what we see here in the story uh, of Moses in Exodus is that the seeds of his indignation at how his people are being treated are there all along. 
If you remember from the story of Moses, he wasn't supposed to have been born. He gets adopted into the Egyptian household, the royal family. Uh, the royal family. He then becomes aware over the course of his life that the Hebrew people are his true people and he wants to make sure that they are freed. And he starts to sense the injustice of how they're being treated. Uh, let's pick it up from Exodus 2 verse 11. Years later, after Moses had grown up, he went out to his own people and, and observed their forced labor. He saw an Egyptian striking a Hebrew, one of his people, and looking all around and seeing no one, he struck the Egyptian dead and hid him in the sand. The next day he went out and saw two Hebrews fighting. He asked the one in the wrong, who are you, uh, sorry, why are you attacking your neighbor? And this is the kind of key question, who made you commander and judge over us, the man replied. Are you planning to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses became afraid and thought, what I did is certainly known. I'm just going to ask the worship team if you'd just come and join me. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you, team. The who question. This is a really important question because what happens is that Moses tries to do something humanly from not a wrong motivation, but he does it on his own. He doesn't do it with the assignment of God as the context. And so that indignation that he feels about the situation in his nation He tries to do it in his own strength. And you can see that he doesn't have the anointing, the authority, the permission of God around that yet. It's coming, but it's not yet. And so he acts, and when when you act on your own, what happens is the questions will come back to you, so who are you? Who are you to judge over us? Because people sense that God's mandate is not upon us. And so they ask questions, don't they? They say, so who are you? It's only when God, the great I am, gets in our corner and invests us with the assignment that the the who question goes away. Because we can then go uh, to the person, uh, the I am sent me. I'm on mission from God. I have been given a mandate for that. And that's why the people of Israel then follow Moses, because they know that God is in his corner. And he has that authority and that mandate. So what I'm saying Rather, in rather a roundabout way, is when God is with you and for you and assigns you, you have his authority and you will be followed by people and they will, they will get your mission, they will get your assignment. If you try and do it by yourself, in your own human strength, and you haven't had the encounter yet, it's going to flop and it could potentially be damaging or dangerous to people. You with me? Do you get the concept? We have to have an encounter with God. In God's assignment, the who question is answered by God saying, I am. And from that, we then get our permission to go out and do the thing that he's asked us to do. So FAB stands for Friends, Abilities, Backing. Would you stand with me, church? We're going to worship uh, and we're going to sing to God. uh, And uh, then we're going to respond in a little bit of a way around the area of FAB and assignment. Let's all stand together.